Hi there, and welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today with me is Jeff Coyle, co-founder of Market Muse, and <laughs> an AI platform that transforms the way you research, plan, and craft your content. Market Muse multiple times received Red Herring North America Awards and uh, a few times uh, various user-driven awards. So we're here to dig into their story and learn how you build an SEO tool that is powerful, trustworthy, and lovable. Welcome, Jeff. It's great to see you here. Hi. I, I wish people described me that way. Powerful, <laughs> trustworthy, and lovable. Um, but no, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Okay, that's great. So let's get into it. And uh, first of all, I guess, uh, let's dig into your background a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. what made you think that SEO is something that you want to do? Oh, gosh, this story? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so no, it, when I, I went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta um, for computer science, um, and my two main areas of interest were in user experience, uh, usability theory, um, user interface software design and information retrieval. So search engines, how search engines work. At that time, it was text search, intranet search, like was going to be the big thing, right? Um, and when I was a uh, um, uh, third year in, in at Georgia Tech, a, I got a summer internship with a company called Knowledge Storm. So this is 99, 2000 timeframe. And um I was into information retrieval. So this job had components of taxonomy management, um, uh, well, you know, how data is structured to evaluate the way that people buy software. So basically it was a, a way of, we were the first people selling leads to software companies using content. So we were convincing companies like IBM and Dell to have content on their site to try to generate <laughs> leads with it. And we were selling them leads by syndicating that content. So we would be like a white paper library on information week. Um, and we had our own standalone network of sites. So early on, I saw that and I said, wait, a second. Uh, so I remember my first project was to evaluate the competitive landscape. Um, and my manager who then became my mentor and my boss for 15 years, uh, asked me to evaluate the competitive landscape and overachiever Jeff, I threw a 150 page document on his desk the next day, you know, and he was like, you're the head intern. I'm like, sweet. All right. That worked. <laughs> um, and, but what I saw really was that the thing was that was going to move the needle for us most in getting traffic in was going to be, uh, figuring out auxiliary channels. They weren't just going to come to our site. And at the time it was, you know, Alta Vista, Lycos, uh, those types of sites. And they were really easy to manipulate, really easy to manipulate. Um, and we also were looking at, um, you know, paid inclusion. I mean, you used to be able to buy your way into Microsoft Network. And I'm explaining this this way because I didn't, I just found it because I wanted to work on search engines. I wanted to build them, right? Um, and it became, oh, wow, this is a thing. You can do this. Um, and immediately we... Uh, ramped traffic, we were doing 30 to 40 million visits uh, uh, to this small network of sites. Um, and we were crushing paid at the time as well. I mean, lead generation rates that would blow your mind. And this was when AdWords didn't have an interface and you were paying um, cost per thousand impressions on words. We were like shipping them spreadsheets, you know? Um, <laughs> and so 
So that I had built, I also built a vertical search engine platform um, while there, which was the, I think it was the first ever um, uh, um, topic specific uh, um, uh, focused crawler. Focus crawler is a crawler that will read content and classify it. And if it doesn't fit a particular profile, it won't include it in the index. So you can create a search engine about dogs if you want, right? Um, and uh, it seems so rudimentary now, but you know, in 2004 or five, it was pretty amazing. Um, we were purchased by a company called Tech Target in 2007, um, and where I stayed on and led their in-house team, and I was a member of the product team as well, um, and grew that team. I mean, at, at one point, you know, well over 20 people. So I was doing, um, I was basically an in-house lead. Every all the traffic that went through their sites, it was 200 plus sites, right? Um, and uh, making sure all that went well. The reason why I tell the story this way is because that's the, my first experience with content folks, with editorial. At Knowledge like Storm, it was, it was so much more exciting back then. Like now, it's right? just, yeah, yeah, go to all these tools. <laughs> well, well, it was, it was uh, you know, I never had to work with editorial because think about it. For seven and a half, eight years, I was getting a white paper asset from IBM. I'm not touching it. I'm marketing it and distributing it, right? I had to make it beautiful. Whatever it was, I wasn't, I couldn't edit it, right? And now I have a 300 person editorial team at Tech Target, and they're like super strong subject matter expert editors. Um, and the first thing I said was, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? And then the second thing I said was, oh gosh, they're not going to listen to a thing I have to say. Like, hey, can you please write about that? Heck no, I'm not going to write about that. What do you know, guy who we just met and we just, you know, acquired your company? So what I found was that I struggled with that, right? I was like, why won't they just do what's going to generate traffic, right? And so I spent my time there, the in-house group also just trying to be a liaison for content teams and say, like, what do they care about? How can I build a bridge? And I didn't do a very good job, honestly, for, for years, but I really got... I felt like the everybody got religion on it when tr we started building traffic. I mean, we were like quintupling traffic via content strategy there and explaining how authority works, explaining how content works. Um, and so I had built all these manual workflows for content strategy. So how to do a content plan, how to do topic modeling, which is evaluate what an expert would write if they were writing about something. And I built these manual workflows that were like 30 hours, one of them to do a topic model, right? Um, the punchline gets there, by the way, uh, on this one. But, and so late in my time there, I was looking for a solution that would auto tag content into a taxonomy. Um, and there was great providers out there for this, uh, Pool Parties one, for example. And I found a gentleman in Boston who had built the first prototype from his living room futon on his, in his weekends, who had built the first version of Market Muse, the first topic model. And I saw it, I found him looking for a taxonomy. And I said, hey, Aki, do you, Aki is my co-founder. Hey, Aki, do you, um, do, can you auto tag URLs and, and put them in a taxonomy? And he goes, that's not what the software does, but it could. And that was our first chat. And he showed me what he had built. And I said, oh, gosh, Aki, that, that one piece of software is a 30-hour manual process for me. You know that? And he's like, no, that's great. You want to be an advisor? 
I said, sure, sure, I'll be an advisor. <laughs> um, and uh, and he was, I didn't realize at the time that he had, you know, four customers that were, you know, a hundred bucks max uh, per, you know, per, per customer. Um, and um, so I basically became one of the earliest larger customers that Market Muse had. Um, and then when I left Tech Target, I was I, I was doing some work with a private equity firm um, and a large healthcare company, um, and I was going to go do that and kind of become a a, a one person show. I had always consulted on the side to stay abreast to certain markets. Um, Aki came back to me when he saw that I had left, and he said, "Hey Jeff, um, we're going to take this to market for real, and you're the only one that understands these workflows. Can you join me as a late co-founder?" And I said, "What's a late co-founder?" And he said, well, it means you're not going to get paid for like 18 months. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I've got this great gig. At, so SaaS founders, that's what co-founder means. It means you don't get paid. And so I didn't realize it meant I wasn't going to get paid for like eight years. But, you know, uh, at the time. But um, but I basically, I had this great gig with a healthcare company, which became huge. And PE firm, a couple of them, actually, a couple of private equity firms. I was doing some work with their marketing services organizations. Um and uh, or I could jump off the cliff and make a software product, one that I like had thought of in my brain. But it was a uh, and so um, we went to market and in our, you know, that was uh, uh, October 2015. Um, and we had a, a rudimentary user interface put on top of a content analyzer product. Um, and I'll, I'm really happy to say it's 2023 and there's about 50 products that have copied it. We were the first okay. and there's about 50 now that have copied that specific user experience. And frankly, our data has always been better because we actually built, we, we had a scientific officer and my Aki's background in, in software development. We don't use other people's APIs. We build it ourselves and we build it from that, the point of view of an expert, not the point of view of, you know, tricking Google or something. Right. So it's, it's built a great foundation for us to maintain that throughout. So the basics of this story was, I was real good at SEO, right? Got connected to editors, realized I was really bad at speaking to content teams, had to learn that skill manually. And then I found a technologist who wanted to solve one problem for topic modeling and apply it to an interesting industry. We have two patents. One of them's on paid. One of them's on organic. He wasn't sure exactly how it would manifest. Um, and then we turned that into a basically an AI content strategist solution. So if you want to decide what to create, what to update, um, anything in between. But it wouldn't have happened that way unless it went through. I think it went. I went through those journeys of good at this, bad at this okay yeah. at this now i'm good at this so now speaking to content teams you know that's i know the way that you know thousands of content teams are structured like i'm like a, a living survey of all the problems that content teams have <laughs> you know when you know when a person uh has worked with content for a long time when it's quintupling not 5xing you know <laughs> so you yeah. know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So that's a that's a fascinating story. Uh, I love mm -hmm. how uh, how you openly talk about you know 
the good and the bad and the, the crazy of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, you went, uh, as far as I know, into natural language processing. And that, mm. that's uh, 2015, right? So mm. uh, a few companies are already in that space. Uh, just know that because yesterday I had Bernard Juan from ClearScope. Right. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're already in that space. What was it telling you? Was it your validation that, you know, that works, that could bring money and yeah. leads, or that was still a bit early in the days that, you know, you had to figure it out and explain to your customers? You know, gosh, it's a great question. And Market Muse has a history of beating the market. Um, and that's not a great place to be. Uh, we created the market effectively for content intelligence from a strategic point of view. We were the first really accessible optimization solution for content. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it be, a, you know, like you mentioned, Bernard, you know, he had used Market Muse and, and, and built, you know, his his representation of similar solution. Um, and and that, that was happening a lot. That was that was very validation validating. Um, but also the initial software, we realized that you both had to train the workflow and deliver um, almost like consulting services as a layer. Because when you have a product, uh, a product market fit, people know they want something, but they it's so early, it's so in the growth phase that they're not able to implement the workflows internally. Um, so the, uh, the, the, there's a major lift when you beat the market um, and the product will either fail or um, it will require uh, professional services or customer success workflows um, to, to battle through. And then you can either do that or you make the decision to focus the product on a mature workflow. Um, what you don't want to do is make, focus the product on a saturated workflow because you'll never make any money. And that becomes then almost the de death of the market, which for content optimization, that's basically where that product is. There's so many solutions that the um, incremental value is practically free. So if you think about growth, that's where, oh my gosh, people can't believe it exists and, and like they need it and they'll pay whatever it takes, right? That's where we are now with, um, you know, early... Uh, uh, strategy, uh, ROI focused, um, you know, monetization, uh, conversion focused uh, strategies. The mature place right now is things like content operations, content management templates, right? But the saturated is the optimize. So optimizing content because people think that you can just get it and do it. It's becoming almost like a saturation. Um, so we recognized that content optimization at the time was growth, but people were so, it was so alien that they would integrate this into their process that you really did have to hold their hand. Um, so we delivered content plans. Um, we coached people on how to do this um, responsibly for business while, because we saw the other people that were trickling into the space were really focused on, um, I'd, I call it the shinier nickel, right? Uh, the, the concept, uh, you, you probably heard it a couple other ways, but it's to say, if you do this and do what I do, you're going to make lots of money, right? It's the, the, the YouTube 
uh, dude bros who, uh, you know, it's, 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 a um, you know, but those things weren't business appropriate. Um, and a lot of people get burnt by them. And we early on made the decision that everything that comes out of market music is going to be business appropriate. Um, and I'll get into some of the natural language generation stuff, but we bought, we beat the market there too. Three years ago, we launched a product that was a generation platform. We built it all ourselves that would still to this day on a quality basis, rival anything OpenAI has launched. Um, it just was so damn expensive and nobody knew what to think about it. I mean, so it would cost us eight to $30 to make a draft and a fine tuned language model. And so we, we, we had to charge a hundred dollars, right? And people were so not ready to buy a draft content created by AI for a hundred bucks. Like people, their head exploded. That product failed terribly. I mean, it was such a terrible failure. Um, but you look at it now, it costs a fraction of a fraction of a cent to do the same software process work. So now that becomes a, a real opportunity. And it's something that we're going to be bringing to market in a very unique way in 2023. Um, which will, uh, I think it's going to break the market. Um, so not just the, not just the, uh, software products you probably would expect, but I think it's going to break the entire SEO platforms market. We're looking to so break the I entire, think... we're going to break the entire SEO platforms market. This yes. Year. That's the spirit. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess today, was it today or, or yesterday that Kopi AI announced that they now have chat GPT kind of, um, uh, solution and I uh, the only that's brilliant and I love where this is going but uh, I kind of just was curious why use ChatGPT in the name for for this like when they announced uh, we created a ChatGPT like <coughs> chat solution so um, I I don't know what's your what what are that's your a great about question that? I understand your question. <laughs> By the way, I understand your question. You know why? Because it's it's, it's everyone knows. <laughs> it's, it's position it's positional pandering. All right. So what that means is the majority of what I would reference as Main Street, they think that ChatGPT is what AI is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So they actually will equate the concept of AI. They've never had a democratized accessible path to working with AI. So they actually will think, and I'm not saying this to be mean to anyone. It's just, it's, it's, they were, the, this is the first time they had access to it and it was called AI. Like your Amazon echo is AI. It's natural language processing. It's, uh, you know, many elements of, of, of word embedding and analysis and generation, but it kind of like it's looser. It's, 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 it's different type of accessible. This was the first time you kind of had access to AI. And so all it is, is a marketing ploy. Yeah. Okay. Hot, no, hot I mean, take. Uh, hot take from Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, uh, sometimes dumbing it down does help adoption, uh, especially, you know, great b bigger volume adoption but uh yeah i was just curious because copy ai is just is also kind of a 
I don't know, quite a big brand. So they're like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's anyway, a great product. Uh, back to you. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, you're definitely. Way, by the way, those those products those those products are great products. They are. Yeah. They're great products. It, it, they all are. A uh, HubSpot is a great example. They just launched a uh, Hub Hub GPT or something like that, right? They're not building. <laughs> it, they they launched it yesterday. Uh, it, I think or they announced it yesterday. Um, they're doing it with a partnership with OpenAI. Great. Excellent. Right. Th that's really where the, the yin and yang goes. OpenAI changed the world. They changed the world because they democratized something that no one ever thought would be democratized and accessible. Was it a good way to do it? Hell no. Bad choices. They should never have democratized it like that because now other, other people have to react and they react with ham hands and bad and badly. Like Google is going to have to react in ways that, they shouldn't have to. They're going to have to be very harsh to publishers. They're going to have to be very harsh to little guys, little small companies, um, because of the way it was, it was, it was, it was implemented. But it's it, it's all that you know, going back. It's all about product management. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. I have a question about uh, the solution that you were talking about, the uh, mm -hmm. AI-generated content that failed, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe an uncomfortable question. So, you know, uh, tell me to, <laughs> uh, no, to erase it, edit it, edit it out uh, at any point. But um, why do you think it failed? Like, apart from the fact that it was, it was <clears throat> um, expensive, it could be used by enterprises, right? Maybe for yeah. internal uh, documentation, whatever, because enterprises have the money to spend. Uh, was it a lost uh, battle, a lost opportunity just because it was a bit too early? Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't a technology that, that people trusted or was it something else? Um, it was all of those things. Um, and it's still going to be the problem that NLG has. Um, it, I've, we've come up with some more elegant ways, um, but... I'll, I'll give you, here's the, here's the mind map. Here's the product management mind map, right? The problem with the human brain and AI is it, the output appears very simple, right? You can, if you can't see the inputs, the output feels simple. Okay. And so this is for any SaaS founder who's thinking about an AI output. So you, with your brain, first time you've ever seen a draft generated by AI, you treat it differently than if you knew a human put effort into it. So if I knew that Anna wrote that article, I would have some compassion for you. 
And I would not go, this is the worst, unless I'm a terrible editor, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Chuck it in your face, spill coffee on your, on your head, and go, do it again. Read the brief next time, right? But if it's AI, what do I do? I'm like, this is terrible, right? So I feel like I can judge it quickly. People judge finished products, finished products, outputs of AI, very, very differently than they judge products of work, right? And the perception that it's simple when it's the output breaks the mental model. So to answer your question, we beat the market. Nobody was ready for it. It cost $100 per page to generate. It, it, we cost us like 20. We we're trying to charge 100. And that fundamental AI adoption problem, which is still true today, um, broke the camel's back effectively. Every day in this space, I see someone completely misuse um, AI. And they think it does one thing. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't do. Um, and we're only going to see more of that. Um, right. Like, I, I, you know, the people laughing and joking about their tweets about, hey, Jeff, GPT is wrong. I'm like, yeah, it was wrong. It never could be right. The thing you asked it to do, it doesn't do. And that's going to be the norm. Um, and that's because it was democratized. Very exciting. Right. And well, safe to say it's not going to, to get anyone's jobs just yet. Uh, so <laughs> I, there's, there's a lot yeah. of jobs. No, no, it's going to, it's going to take away a lot of jobs. This is your quotable quote for the podcast. It will take tons of jobs, hundreds of thousands of jobs, millions of jobs will be lost because of bad product management and large language models will be part of that. The important thing is those jobs produce low quality product. Um, so if your job was to produce low quality content, you do not have a job anymore. You've probably already lost it. Um, and so in my opinion, not always tremendously popular, it's anything that raises the bar on content quality and marketing campaign quality is good in my book. Um, and so if you were, if your job was, you know, writing one cent, two cent, or propagating the creation of that garbage content, you know, I don't really care in the end because it's not bettering society. Um, and so low, low quality, one cent, two cent content. Those are the jobs. I didn't want to argue, but I also want to cry. So. <laughs> oh, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't gone into foreign language yet. So foreign, la foreign language, foreign language, one oh, cent, no. two cent content is, is going to be gone too. So everybody's got to skill up. I love that. I love when everybody has to think quality first. And then what it's going to do is it's going to make the subject matter expert. It's going to make the, the creative people in this world the most powerful people. Um, and, right. and I love that. I love empowering experts. And that, that's the dream. Right. Okay. Well, I, I completely agree with you, honestly. Uh, I think still you cannot... Uh, feed ChatGPT or any other AI creativity. Uh, it cannot uh, write a symphony or not just yet. So <laughs> yeah, there is still there is still a chance for us. Let's circle back to, to Market Muse. I mean, uh, it could go 
for a while about ChatGPT and AI. Uh, let's circle back to the operation side. And yeah. uh, there is something that I noticed in your profile as I was creeping around, of course, getting ready mm -hmm. for this. Um, after five years as chief operating officer, you went to chief strategy officer, right? Mm -hmm. So what uh, what happened? Did you uh, did you decide that, you know, it's time to step back a little bit, uh, look at the bigger picture, I don't know, have more time with family, just let go of that, you know, day-to-day -day kind of uh, um, thing that, that's going on with the company. So what was your reason? Great question. Um, so I was, uh, m when we were two people, it was, uh, Aki was doing all the product and engineering and that were, and we had some uh, contractors and I was to go to market. So marketing sales. Um, the dream of any SaaS co-founder is to find people better than you at tasks um, and at responsibilities. Um, so we, we certainly, um, the journey for us, if you look at mistakes and you look at that process is, um, finding the people that are better than you at those jobs, um, making sure you recognize that talent. You also the flip side, which I'll get into, um, and then shifting, right? And so the story of the question that you asked is we found uh, a marketing leader who I had previously worked with, who is amazing at almost all the elements of marketing that I'm, you know, not very, I'm okay at, or I'm, you know, an apt pupil. I'm very, very strong at quite a few other things. Um, and so when you get that work, work together very well, you elevate them into leadership and then you don't, you're not responsible for that. Right. That's hard to learn how to go through that process. So then we had, you know, the time period where I was chief product officer, Aki and I flipped. So Aki was doing this stuff. Um, but to take the product from being the optimization product to the strategy offering the four businesses, that was my background. And we had to focus on fundraising and uh, uh, corporate structure. And that was when Aki basically became CEO. And I focused a CPO, basically chief product officer. Right. What did we, what did we do? We, we found a tech, a, a technologist who was destined for greatness, way better than me at everything technology. Um, and we had a data science engineer also destined for greatness. He's currently, that person's currently our head of, uh, development and, and, and data science, Uli Sofing. Um, and our, we, so we elevated Noah Davis at the time. He's no longer with market Muse to our CTO position. When we elevated him to the CTO position, I'm kind of in this weird spot of like product, but we don't have a product team. You know, we have like one product person uh, or two product people. Um, and so the shift to chief strategy officer was twofold. It was to ensure that the chief technology officer could own product and engineering and data science and be able to answer to one buck, not two bucks, two co-founders. One co-founder, it's got to be. Um, and then also it was part of our uh, 
our separation of me and my co-founder from the natural organization. Uh, and that was through the promotion of our current CEO, who's uh, Chuck Frydenborg. Um, so that process basically was pull the co-founders out of the traditional org. Um, and then uh, Aki acting president, uh, cons consultation on the financial side and the corporate structure and me consulting on product engineering, um, go to market sales strategy. Um, that was that transition. And then the cool thing about that was it was the team, the team only had one person to answer to, and it was the CEO effectively. Um, and I was able to attack projects and efforts and provide advisory, you know, or fill gaps as needed. As in right now, uh, I lead the sales organization and that's where I am now. So you always got to be ready when the goal is right. finger break, fingers breaks. To wear multiple hats. Okay. Yeah. So um, I remember you also said that uh, I wasn't paid for eight years and it's just now <laughs> no. that the math came, came back yes. to me. And <laughs> I started realizing that this year is the eighth year of Market yeah. Muse. <laughs> it was a little tongue, in, little tongue in cheek there. It was a, you know, no, there was there was a period of time, eighteen months or so, where there wasn't a, a lot of compensation. Uh, and uh, but no, it, it, Market <laughs> Muse is it, it pays a solid living um, for all of our employees, and you know we have awesome. benefits. We have benefits. We have. Uh, um, an amazing culture. I mean, we're a remote team. I was always remote, um, but we decided to go fully remote in, uh, in, in after, uh, 2021. Um, the interesting uh, part about it, I think we all want, I think at some point we might want to have a home base and, a, and, a, and an office. It's just, uh, it's got to be the right, right place, right time. Um, it was always kind of fun to have that anchor, you know, to go up to Boston and kind of have the traditional office. Um, but you, you got to think pragmatically uh, when it's, you know, six people, you know, there 60% of the time, you know, the, the juice has to be worth the squeeze. And uh, I think a lot of teams, especially teams, you know, sub 30 person teams uh, where you do where you already have some distribution. Um, it was a better opportunity uh, for us to, you know, support team members who might have been tied to Boston while everybody else wasn't to let them make moves if they wanted to, uh, and go remote. And then obviously the cost savings. Um, but, uh, right. yeah, that's that story. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was actually a question leading to at what point, um, did market Muse become ramen profitable and mm -hmm. what put you there? Right. Um, we had, the first waves of 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 market muse the um the the growth the growth was driven by you know me selling deals so it was like yeah you know you you get what you can get um you know was we it sold cold a, emails or no network it was network at first um oh you know this is a great part that you didn't even ask <laughs> um it was it was it was network at first, um, but one interesting fact about marketing is is no outbound. Still, okay. um, we eat our own dog food, and we also are really strong at generating demand. Um, 
we're pretty weak about converting that into paying customers. Uh, and that's the constant journey. Um, and that's, you know, but historically our, you know, our out, our outbound approach has been no outbound. Um, it's been network referral. People love it when they adopt market muse, the software, it's like something they want for their entire life. Many people can't adopt it. They want a simple, uh, thing that does stuff like does a thing that they think is the right answer and adopting certain AI solutions can be difficult. Um, but when one does and they see the magic that happens, um, they, they, they tend to keep it with them for life. And so one, one thing that we've seen is when people, especially during this, you know, the great resignation and a lot of people moving everybody. I mean, I just spoke to a customer this morning. He used to work for a, uh, Amazon, popular Amazon, uh, uh, affiliate network. And, you know, he just went to a new business and he's like, one of the first things I did was say, Hey, we've got to buy market music, you know? And so that's been very valuable because especially when people go into, uh, they're the new place of business and they're using a really low quality software product. Um, maybe something that isn't real technology when teams are like, Oh yeah, we can't, this is killing us, uh, that we got to upgrade. Um, and it was always really that and networking. Um, the first wave of, I'd say customers more than 50,000 a year were, uh, the first like probably 10 were all through connections and network though, for sure. You got to have that. If you go cold into a market, you almost have to go product led. You can't go relationship or sales led. Um, if you go cold without network, um, you got to go product led and you got to bring money with you. We have never bought traffic at, a, at any reasonable scale. Um, and we've done very light outbound. We're just starting some outbound channels right now, actually, um, oddly enough. Um, we've done, but we've done limited. We do really well at events. Uh, live events or, or, or hybrid events is a strong part of our business. Um, uh, I think we're like 65 to 70% positive ROI with our events historically. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, but up until last year, really, we never had a entry level product. Our average deal size is, you know, over $20,000 a year. Um, but we now have a $149 a month product and a $399 a month product. Uh, and we still have our premium offering for, um, for businesses. Uh, so now we have more product. Uh, we have a free product. We have the 149. Um, and so it just makes sneaking the, it in. No, <laughs> not it, really it advertising. The, <laughs> not, no, but what it does is it, it allows us to think about other channels, right? So right. if your if your minimum products if your minimum entry point is twelve thousand um, dollars, you're asking people to go buy that thing down the road that's ninety nine bucks, and that's what has that what happened to us. Uh, we we let a lot of people buy lower quality software products um, while we didn't have an offering for them, and because we were being we didn't we knew people would misuse it if we didn't have really good onboarding and training, and um, because they do, they misuse it. And, and, but, you know, I think we, uh, those are some mistakes. We should have had that product, those products in market. Um, but they just, I, don't, I didn't think they were good enough. The team didn't think they were good enough. Um, we probably could have put out some lower quality product uh, in, at a lower price point um, and had more success than 
than you'd think uh, because that's just how product market life cycle goes. If you have a mature product, um, it can be a, you know, it can be a little bit weaker. Um, right. So that's, that's lear- learning for me, uh, for sure. <laughs> okay. So what would be the, uh, the actionable advice that you would uh, give to a founder that's getting into this uh, maybe a bit more complicated, more tech uh, kind of startup space? Mm-hmm. I would say um, the the adage of it costs twice as much and takes twice as long um, is absolutely true, if not much, much more true. It's actually more longer and and it, it is so very rare that you will catch if you if you think about the uh, the product maturity curve of um, untouched intro, so things that are untested, new frontiers. That's your you know one in one in one thousand gamble, right? You got to know where in the product market maturity curve is it. And your entire strategy needs to be created based on that. And so is it untapped? Nobody knows what the heck's going to happen. That's NLG a year and a half ago. Uh, Look at Jasper. They hit the road. They hit the wave, blew it up. I love those guys. I love Dave and Austin. They are just super cool. I loved their old product. Their first product was called Proof, right? Conversion AI. Not terribly successful. Great products. Not terribly successful, by the way. Um, um, beautiful products. Uh, Use Proof was a killer. They, I knew. I always knew Austin, Dave and Austin were going to crush um, this, and uh, and they are. Um, so now, if you're in growth, this is where people are just they just they realize they have the need and they're willing to pay for it. Right. That's where you need humans to staff. And make sure you're bridging the customer success gap, all right? Um, it's not just going to be a PLG. If you try to go PLG in growth, you fail. That's why, because people aren't ready to do the whole thing themselves. Now, if you go to a mature workflow, <coughs> you can get away with it with just product, right? <coughs> Part of it. It's, it's a little bit harder. Um, Got to be real clear with your value proposition. So... Um, and then if you're in, if you're in saturation and you're a, uh, I'm doing a thing that everybody else is doing has to be a PLG. Can't do it with people, not enough juice from the squeeze. Um, and, uh, so know where your painkiller is and where it is in that curve. And you build your team accordingly to that. Okay. Um, so, um, I guess you are very much in the industry and you know what's going mm-hmm. on so what would be the SaaS related headline that you would expect to see this year uh microsoft oh i got two I gotta do two. <laughs> microsoft azure releases a business appropriate solution for language model tuning that's one um, because Microsoft Azure and Microsoft, they got the product managers. They got the beautiful product managers. Um, the other one is uh, Google introduces the first product uh, that 
has elements of artificial general intelligence. Okay. Uh, those two. So with things... the first one, I actually expected something like Microsoft buys ChatGPT, or. <laughs> well, they fear it. They they are the they are the primary reseller. Um, yeah. And it's exclusive, and they just gave them another forty billion bucks. So they basically did. Uh, oh. uh, so uh, so yeah, uh, I uh, I think those are two two likely moves. Um, you know, and then but those are the two that I'm most interested in um, okay open ai and google are 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 going to be the story uh google's going to make lots and lots of mistakes um because they're reacting to the democratization of technology that they didn't expect to be democratized um and they're going to have to pull a product out of a hat earlier than they sh they wish too early too early by the way they probably shouldn't <laughs> come out Probably shouldn't come out for a couple of years, but uh, that's good. Those are the two stories. Okay. Um, I'll Mark. pin those to my board and see, yeah. you know, <laughs> if your predictions, <laughs> yeah, come true. I get specific though. The Azure team, just this, just, just right. so you know, yes. I get real specific. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a big bet. That's a, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's a good I'm one. I'm a betting, um, I'm a betting person, so. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jeff, it was it was a lot of fun talking with you and uh, great to know your story. Great to learn uh, from all the mistakes that you're openly talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. So thank you for unwrapping Market Muse for us. Oh, you're so welcome. It's a pleasure to meet you and to talk about uh, these things. Likewise. And, you know, it's it's it, it takes uh, the other founder tip I'll give you is it takes a few years to be willing to talk about your mistakes. So, um, those, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of founders will say, Oh yeah, it's all about win or learn, you know, um, or, uh, learn from, you know, fail fast. It's like, yeah, but most of those people don't talk about their failures, you know, um, it, it's real, real hard. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I, I couldn't do it at first. I wanted to hide it, hide all the bad stuff. Um, so that's been my personal journey. So I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, you know, pay me when uh, your future generation market muse is out because we've got to talk about it and we got to see how market responds and you know what we can get there. Uh, yeah, that that was the other headline uh, <laughs> that I won't say, but uh, let's just hope uh, let's just hope that uh, that one comes true because tracking keyword rankings ain't enough for SEO these days. Okay. And I'll leave it there. Okay. That's uh <laughs> I think that's a good wrap up. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, All right, it's a pleasure. Take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders, and if you're one, reach out to me directly at Anna at SaaS.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group, a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.